Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Good morning. If you would turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. If you don't have one with you, there's uh, usually some in the pews, or not pews, we don't have pews anymore. Uh, but there's some in the chair, in the underneath of the chairs. Um, if you don't have one with you, so Matthew chapter ten, we are going to pick up in verse five. Um, just uh, last week, we were not in Matthew because it was Easter Sunday. Um, but um, we have been going through a series uh, on the Gospel of Matthew. We began in chapter 1 with the genealogy, and we've been going all the way up till now. We've seen Jesus doing miracles. We've seen Him raise the dead. We've seen Him heal the sick. We've seen Him uh, cast out demons. We've seen Him do all kinds of things. And we have also seen Him teach in the Sermon on the Mount between chapters 5 and and, uh, 7. Jesus was teaching, giving the the greatest sermon we ever have uh, recorded and Uh, Then from chapter 8 on, we've been seeing Jesus performing more and more miracles. He raised up uh, a a little girl who had died. And uh, there was a, uh, he was walking through a crowd and someone touched him. This woman who had had blood, uh, an issue of blood for 12 years, touched him and she was healed. I mean, we have seen all these miracles that Jesus has done, but as we saw the last time we were in Matthew, Jesus looked out over the crowds and He saw there were so many, so much of a multitude. And He said the people were like sheep without a shepherd. And He had compassion on them. And what does He do? And He turns right around and He sends out His disciples to go do the things that He was doing. He was multiplying His ministry. He couldn't be everywhere all at once whenever he was physically. Now, he's God. Jesus is God. But when he was here on this earth, he couldn't be everywhere at once. So he commissioned his disciples. And now he's gone up into heaven and has seated at the Father's hand. And he has sent the Spirit so that the Spirit indwells each and every one of us believers so that we are empowered to take his mission and do the things. And Jesus said even greater things than ever he did. We'll go ahead and pick up. Jesus gives some instructions in the passage we're going to look at today to his disciples um, about how they were to go about fulfilling what he was telling them to do, fulfilling their mission while he was still on earth. He gives them some instructions on what to do. And then also he gives them a warning. It's going to be hard. People aren't always going to accept you. In fact, because they hated me, they're going to hate us too. They're going to hate you too. That's what Jesus warns his disciples about. Let's go ahead and look at our text, beginning in verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You have received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, 
no bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet where you, when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to the courts and flog you in their synagogues. You will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his, and a, the father his child, and children will rise against their parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next, for, the, for truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they call the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you'd speak to us this morning. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Lord, help us to understand as well. Um, Lord, these words that uh, Jesus gave to his disciples, we don't stand in the same position as those disciples, but Lord, there are principles here that we can learn from on how we should carry out our mission that you've given us. Lord, help us to see those things. Help us to be faithful to you whenever it gets difficult. Father, give me grace and strength as I preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I've said, and as we've heard from this text, we see basically Jesus commissions his disciples. He gives them instructions on how they're to carry out their ministry, and he gives them a warning. It's going to be tough. Is it still tough today? It's tough. Does the world look at Christians and think, man, those are just the people we want to be like? Just take a, take a look at Twitter. <laughs> take a look at what the world says, those who are hostile to Christians and we are called all kinds of different things for Jesus' namesake. Let's go ahead and break this down. Uh, we've already looked at verses 1 through 7. 
No, verses one through five through six. Um, last time we were in Matthew, but we'll go ahead and look at this again because I think it all hangs together. Um, These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, "Go nowhere among the Gentiles; enter no town among the Samaritans." This is weird. Okay, we, we know Jesus came for all people. He came to open the way of salvation for everyone. For God so loved the world, not just Jews, but He loved the whole world. So why do we have Jesus here saying to His disciples, go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter the town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And I talked about this before. We're not going to spend much time on it. But basically, you know, it's, it, Jesus' time had not yet come. He hadn't yet gone to the cross. And so before He goes to the cross, before He dies and is risen again and ascends to the Father and the Spirit comes down, before that time uh, that God is is working among the Jewish people. Uh, And and so there's hints that we see in the Old Testament and, and even as Jesus healed this centurion servant earlier that we see, this Roman centurion, there's hints that God will work also among the Gentiles. But, but here in this time, as, as Jesus is sending his disciples out, that he's focusing just on the Jews. That's why Romans chapter 1 you know, it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, uh, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So what Jesus says is what the New Testament teaches. He says, as you proclaim, as you, and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is in hand. So as we talked about before when we were in Matthew, the disciples are to go and preach. Preach the gospel. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. There's no time to stand around waiting, looking at each other. There's no time to keep on doing what you've always done before. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now is the time. We need to make a decision. We need to follow Jesus now. It's time. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. He tells them also to heal the sick, to proclaim, uh, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cleanse lepers, and to cast out demons. Now, I believe that these were gifts that were given for the time of the apostles. And those that today, I, I, I believe that there have been people we, maybe we've heard about on the news who, who maybe, uh, they're, they're, I've heard one case in particular about a case in, in California, this, this church that was into some things that I don't think were healthy. And they were praying that this little child that had died would just come back to life. That was something that was for the apostles' time. That was something we saw during then. I don't think that's something we should expect as the norm today. Oh, our loved ones, believing our loved ones, will raise again one day. But that's when he returns. That's when he returns. He's going to do it himself. When he comes, that trumpet sounds, we're, those graves are going to split open, we're going to come up and meet him in the air. Amen. But, until that time, how do we fulfill this mission where he says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers. I think this is where we, we come to our mission statement as a church and we want to... Um, I'm drawing a blank here. 
serve our community by meeting tangible needs. We want to serve our community by meeting tangible needs. We want to take care of those who are sick. We want to deliver meals on wheels and things like that. We want to to find where needs are and help people. And that's how we can carry out the spirit of what Jesus was doing during his healing ministry today. We preach the gospel. We tell people to turn to Jesus. We do. We preach that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, just like the apostles did. And we care about people. Then Jesus says to his disciples. Now, remember, this is this is to his disciples um, before the cross, before he's given the Great Commission. This is specifically for their mission. And he says, you've received without paying, give without pay. That's what the new, uh, I'm sorry, that's what the English Standard Version says. Maybe you've heard it before. Freely, you've freely received, freely give. Um, the gospel is free. We don't expect anything in return for sharing the gospel. We give the gospel, we preach the gospel, and God takes care of us. In the context here, Jesus was telling his disciples that as they go out on their mission, they're not to be dependent upon any kind of a, an income that they have steadily coming in. They're going to live on faith. That was them. They're going to live on faith, which we can live on faith as well. But we're, we're, going, to, we're going to do that in a kind of a different way than what the disciples... They were sent out on an, an itinerant ministry. They were going out two by two going from city to city to city, proclaiming the kingdom and doing all these miracles. They were to depend on the hospitality of the people that they ran into. That was the way they were supposed to to live. Um, It says here in verse 9, Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandal or staff, or labor for a laborer deserves his food. So they weren't supposed to, you know, pack up a big bag and take it with them, or, or, or I mean, it's too heavy. It's kind of like the um, the Exodus. When the people went out from Exodus, in, in Exodus from, from uh, Egypt, God told them, you know, you're to go out in haste. You don't have time to even put leaven in your bread, so you've got to make it without, without the leaven. In, in this context, there, there, there's a hurry, there's an urgency. So they're not to bring a bunch of things along with them, but they're just to trust that God will provide for them as they go on their journey. But he then closes this, this section where he's telling him not to bring all these things and he says something that, that I think ought to catch our attention. He says, the laborer deserves his food. Paul quotes Jesus in um, 1 Timothy chapter 3, I think it is. He quotes this same thing where Paul says the laborer deserves his wages. So in this context... 
The, the apostles were to go out, they were to preach the gospel, they were to do ministry, they were to, to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, all those kinds of things, and they were to be dependent upon hospitality. It's not that they were going to go hungry, but the people that they were ministering to, they weren't going to necessarily open up their pockets and take up a collection for them or anything, but they were going to make sure that they were taken care of, they were going to feed them. Verse 11, and whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy and stay in it, worthy in it and stay there until you depart. So when they get there, they're not just going to go find the closest hotel. Remember, they're not going to bring any money with them. They didn't have any money to go find an inn or a hotel or something like that. They're to find somebody who believes. Some, find somebody who's worthy, someone who is going to be hospitable to them, who opens their home. And they would stay with them and they're not to just find the best offer, right? Oh man, I'm staying over here, but this guy has a much nicer house. No, no, what does he say? He says, whatever, uh, whatever town, find who's worthy and stay, stay there till you depart. <laughs> stay there till you depart. Don't go around looking for the best place to stay. No, just stay with whoever has the best, whoever offers you their hospitality. Then he says, as you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. Give a blessing. Let your peace come upon it. Stay there. Make yourself comfortable. Make yourself at home, right? Let your peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. This would be the case of someone who's not hospitable. If there's not a, not a person who's, who's going to welcome a person in, welcome one of the disciples in. And if anyone does, will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust of your feet when you leave that house or town. So the disciples, they go into a town. They're preaching the gospel. They're healing the sick. But there's a poor response. People aren't listening. There's nobody that wants to take them in. So what does the disciples, what does Jesus tell the disciples to do? Don't just stay there waiting until somebody welcomes you. The mission's too urgent. If the if the if there's nobody going to receive you there, shake off the dust of your feet, move on to the next town because there's going to be somebody there that'll welcome them in. You know what? Our mission field is big. Our mission field is is in, in almost infinite. There are so many people who are lost and dying without Jesus. We don't need to just get hung up on one person. Now, if you've got a loved one that you, you love and, and, and have a relationship and you want to you continue to pray for that person, pray for that person, pray for that person until they, they come to know Jesus, yes, do that. But also, we don't necessarily need to just get hung up on one person or place Whenever we find that a place is, or a person has just completely rejected, go ahead and move on. Move on and share the gospel of the next person. Now, as I say this, be Bereans. Now, I'm, I'm going to explain what that means. In, in Acts, when Paul would, went into um, the city of Berea, he said, he, he said the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians because... 
they, they search the scriptures to see what he said was true. So if, you, if what I just said sounds a little funny to you, check out the scriptures. Check it out for yourselves. Don't take my word for it. That's the kind of the way I came down as I understood what this text means, but check out the scriptures. Don't just take my word for it. All right. Um, as you enter it, let's see. Verse 15. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Now we won't know what happened with Sodom and Gomorrah. And Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, it's that example in, uh, in Genesis of, of uh, the city that was so great with their wicked that God decided he was going to come down and, and destroy the, those two cities. The people were wicked. We see at least two sins that they had committed. One, uh, there were men pounding on Lot's door wanting these angels to come out so that they could have relations with them. So we see one of the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah was the sin of homosexuality. But another sin that we see, and Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel brings this one out, is they, they did not show hospitality. Now some today will try to get around the fact that, that Sodom and Gomorrah was also um, sinning with homosexuality, and they will, they will say, well, Sodom and Gomorrah's sin was really just a lack of hospitality. And they'll try to, try to sweep under the rug what is controversial in our day. It was both. We can say that they were also sinning about hospitality, not showing hospitality, and also understand that they were also sinning with homosexuality. But here Jesus says, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Sodom and Gomorrah. They were, just imagine the hospitality they had. They were beating on the door of where a visitor was wanting to rape them. It's going to be more bearable for them on that day than for those who don't accept the disciples to come in. That's, that's pretty, pretty radical. Verse 16. Here Jesus comes into a warning. He begins to warn us that uh, the world is a dangerous place for citizens of his kingdom, for disciples. Verse 16, for, uh, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. The world is a dangerous place. There's, there's wolves out there. There's people that want to hurt us for following Jesus. And Jesus calls us sheep. We're his sheep, the ones he cares for. He sends us out into a dangerous place. And he tells us to be wise. We have wisdom about how we perform our ministry. We have wisdom. And we also need to be innocent. We need to not, be, not, not use um, the politics of trying to jockey for position. But instead, just use wisdom and trust on God that he'll take care of us. 
Verse 17. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to the courts and flog you in their synagogues. We see this in the ministry of the apostles. In the book of Acts, as Jesus um, has, has sent His Spirit down with, among the apostles, and, and so many times, you know, right after Pentecost, Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, they go and they, they find this lame man and they heal him, and the religious leaders are all there telling Peter and John to stop, stop preaching, and they send them before the Sanhedrin. They put them in prison as well. These things that Jesus predicts is going to happen, they happen in the lives of the, lives of the apostles. They will deliver you to the courts and flog you in their synagogues. Paul was stoned. And I don't mean that he had drugs. <laughs> he, he, he went into the villages, he went into the synagogues and he, he preached Jesus as he was on those missionary journeys. And they dragged him out of the city and they threw big stones on him. Left for dead. He gets up, walks back into the city, preaches again. <laughs> but Jesus warned that that's what the life of the apostles and maybe ours could be like if we follow him and if we're faithful. And he says, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. Before, Jesus was telling his disciples, don't go among the Gentiles. I think we've seen a transition here. Verses, not, I'm sorry, verses 5 through 15, I think he's talking to his disciples as they go out. But there's a transition here. I think he's talking to us and talking about what comes after the cross, the resurrection and the ascension and the spirit coming down. Because he says, they will deliver you over to the court. Um, I'm sorry. You will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to be, bear witness before them to the Gentiles. That's what Paul does. He's brought before Felix, a Roman governor. And Paul's whole ministry was to bear witness to the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious about how you are to speak or what you're to say. What you, for what you say will be given to you in that hour. We can spend a lot of time worrying. What am I going to say? What am I going to say? We can think about how hostile the world is to Christianity. We see what we see on the news. We see what we see on social media and all those kinds of things. And think maybe who am I to be able to speak up for the Lord? We might... Be afraid to say anything. And just keep our light dim. Cover it up with a basket. Like Jesus says not to do in Matthew chapter 5. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You speak for me. And when they drag you off into the, before the courts, don't be afraid of what you were saying. I will give you what you're to say. I think this reminds this, this also reminds us of the Great Commission at the end of the book of Matthew. He closes it by saying, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. When we stand up for Jesus, when we will not bow to the idols of this world, 
We're not to be afraid of what we will say. But we're to be faithful. Daniel, or not Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what did they say? We're not going to bow to that idol made of gold. God will deliver us, but even if He doesn't, we're still not going to bow. Now we see in that story of Daniel, God delivered them. God delivered them. You know what the book of Hebrews tells us? Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is a great chapter. Often people call it the faith chapter. Examples of people of, uh, of great faith. Listen to what it says here. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, um, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, who were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. And we're tempted to stop right there. All those good things. Hey, God delivered them. God delivered them. They were victorious. But let's read the rest of these verses. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. Sometimes God delivers us out of trouble. And sometimes He gives us the strength to remain faithful even unto death so that one day we will obtain a better life. We will be raised from the dead and we'll be seated with Him one day. Do not be afraid of what we will say. Verse 21, Brother will deliver brother over to death. The Gospel brings division. (laughs) Don't let anybody tell you that... uh, that all we need is unity at any cost. Unity at any cost means we compromise on the gospel. But here Jesus says, the gospel is something that's going to divide brother against brother. It's going to divide... Brother, brother will deliver brother over to death the, and father his children and children will rise up against their parents and have them put to death. Sometimes when the gospel comes into a family, it brings division. You know, we can think about people in Muslim countries. If a, if a Muslim becomes Christian, their whole family will disown them, maybe beat them, maybe even kill them 
But sometimes that can be real right here in the United States. Not that they would necessarily kill them, but they could be disowned by their family when they come to know Jesus, to follow Him. But Jesus told us to expect that. Because following Him is worth it. Verse 22, And you will be hated by all men for my name's sake. This sure doesn't sound like your best life now. (laughs) And I I hope this is really encouraging to you. (laughs) Jesus, I thought that following you was going to be, everything was going to get better. Not always. Just think about that promise that Jesus gives us. You will be hated by all men for my name's sake. That's why Jesus says we've got to count the cost before following him. It may cost us relationships. It may cost us all kinds of things. It may cost us our job. It may cost us all kinds of things. But we get Jesus. We have a better life waiting for us one day. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. It's going to be hard. We've got to have endurance. We've got to keep on going. Keep on fighting. Never give up. Never give up. Because we have a promise at the end when we've endured. The one who endures to the end will be saved. Amen. Then Jesus says, uh, verse 23, 23, when they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. (laughs) That's pretty flattering, isn't it? You don't necessarily have to stand up to be faithful. (laughs) Sometimes you can run. (laughs) Paul, whenever he was in Damascus, after he had gone there to persecute Christians, but he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he gets there, and before he leaves town, because he had gone to the synagogue and he was starting to argue that Jesus was really the Messiah, there were some people who wanted to kill him. You know how he got out of there? Some, some of his friends, his new friends, his fellow brothers and sisters, lowered him out of town in a basket through a wall. <laughs> That's flattering. <laughs> he ran. He's not a coward. Jesus said, if they persecute in one town, flee to the next it's okay. For I, for truly I say to you, you will have not gone through all of the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Now what's this talking about when the Son of Man comes? There's a couple of options that could be. could be talking about the end times. There's still going to be work to do whenever Jesus comes. We still need to be sharing the gospel and expanding and sending missionaries all the way up to that time when He comes. Uh, another view would be um, that they're going to still be doing this work of going around all the cities in Israel whenever Jesus does go to the cross. The work won't be done yet before he goes to the cross. Not sure which one that is. Both of them are possibilities. Verse 24, A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough that the disciple be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, 
how much more will they malign those of his household? I hope that this hasn't been a downer. The truth is, we all, if we're believers, we know it. The world hates Christians. They may not even explicitly say that all the time, but we live in a hostile place. When we stand up and say, this is what the Bible teaches about whatever, you name it. They'll say, oh, get your Christianity out of the public square. Right? They'll say, oh, shut up. We don't want to hear what you have to say. You can't tell me. Or, oh, my favorite. Didn't Jesus say, don't judge? Yes, in the same chapter that he said, by the fruits you'll know them. It is hard to be a Christian in a hostile world. But Jesus promises us we are, we are going to be like him. They hated him. We shouldn't expect anything better. But he will one day raise us from the dead. <laughs> this life as Paul calls it in one place, is a light, momentary affliction. And it's not worthy to be compared of the future glory. Life is hard. Things happen. You don't even have to be suffering persecution. You can get cancer. You can get uh, coronavirus. You can get uh, you know, rebellious kids. All those kinds of things. Suffering is just fills this life. But Jesus calls us to be faithful to Him. And He promises the one who endures to the end will be saved. And one last thing. I can't go without saying this. What we've been looking at today are directions to people who are already following Jesus. And therefore, the, the, what He's giving are, are instructions but I haven't really gotten too much into what is the gospel. How do you become a follower of Jesus? That's, that's free. Jesus said, freely you receive, freely give. It's free. We don't have to work. We don't have to endure to become a Christian. No, Jesus came because we couldn't do it. We couldn't do anything to earn our salvation. We were lost. We were wretched. We were the same as the world I've been talking about that hates Christians. We were once them. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He went to the cross. He suffered, bled, and died for us. And all we have to do is trust that His payment took care of our sins. And believe in Him. Confess Him as Lord. And our eyes will be opened. We will go from death into life. We will be created as new creatures. And He's the one who's going to give us the strength to do all of this. We can't do it on our own. 
He talks about it. The world's going to hate us. You can't just stand up to that on your own in your own strength. Eventually, we're going to give in if we're trying to do it in our own power. It's only the one who Jesus has given life from the dead that has the strength to be able to endure all the way to the end. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.